Welcome into another edition of the Deep Slant Podcast. We have got Kenny Stills. We have got Caroline Can. We're talking Carolina Panthers. It's week four, and the podcast rolls on. It's Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Intercept threats to your Wi-Fi network with Xfinity X-Fi Advanced Security. Stream the Texans all season long on every in-home device. If it's connected, you're protected. This is Beyond Wi-Fi. This is XFi. Xfinity, proud partner of the Houston Texans and proud partner of this podcast. I'm super excited about this week's podcast because I had a chance to sit down with wide receiver Kenny Stills, who joined the team prior to week one and then has just been tremendous every single week with the big plays, with the touchdowns. Uh, he actually is tied for first in the NFL with uh, 30-plus yard receptions. He's big, deep threat. Um, I wanted to talk to him about what that was like, uh, spending your offseason with one team and then showing up right here in Houston just prior to primetime week one at New Orleans, his former team, the team that drafted him, and then going back there in the Superdome and then playing against his former team with a team that he just joined a few days before. Also, all the work that he does in the community, just a little bit more about him in general. And so it's a pretty in-depth interview and um, – you know, just I really, really enjoyed my chat with him. So let's get right into it. It's Kenny Stills on the Deep Slant podcast presented by Xfinity. Okay, so first thing I got to ask you is about your game day fashion mm-hmm. because some of the players have thrown you into the mix of players to watch on game day. One being Whitney Merciless, who said, Hey, Kenny Stills really bring in the game day looks. So you grew up in California, you played in Miami. What sort of your fashion style, if you had to describe it? Um,. I like to kind of just push, push the limit, push the envelope on different looks, um, being able to just try out different things and, you know, see what fits, what looks good. And, you know, I guess just kind of pretty chat. straightforward. Yeah. But is there anything that you like absolutely would not wear? No, no. I think it's fun to, to uh, be able to try different things and, and see what looks good. I, it's pretty interesting how a lot of brands are uh, making things that are like for man, men and women. So, um, you know, I think it's fun to try Like sort looks. of a unisex sort of a look, right? Yeah, I like the unisex stuff. And, um, you know, I look at some of the old school, like Prince and Lenny Kravitz and those types of dudes for inspiration. But I think, like, deep down inside, I'm just a California kid. I like Vans and no shirt. I like shirt. Vans, too. Vans yeah. and no shirt and board shorts, and I'm good. All right, so what does Deion Sanders say? Look good, feel good, play good. Yes. I'm paraphrasing, but it's something along those lines. So you show up for Monday Night Football, and you – I don't know if many people knew what to expect of you because you'd been here for, like, a week. Yeah. And this is a pretty good wide receiver group. So it's like, okay, great, we've got Kenny Stills. You come in, you make some big catches, you score that fourth-quarter touchdown, and your first touchdown as a Texan against a team that drafted you. Mm. How cool was that moment for you? Were you surprised at all by how quickly you assimilated into this offense? I wouldn't say that I was surprised. It was a, you know, it's overwhelming feeling, but people don't know this. My, my first touchdown in the NFL was against Tom Brady and the Patriots in a similar situation. Could have been a game winner, like a walk-off situation. And we gave the Patriots the ball back twice under like two minutes and 20 seconds and the Patriots beat us. And so uh, that game really reminded me of, of that. You know, you give a Hall of Fame or a future Hall of Fame quarterback the ball 
um, with any time on the clock, they have an opportunity to come back and win the game. So uh, it was an overwhelming experience, and obviously, you know, wish that we would have won, but you understand that you play against a future Hall of Famer, and, um, you know, it's too much time. Any time is too much time left on the clock. Well, you did win a few games after that, and then mm -hmm. in L.A., you had that really cool f uh, flea flicker mm -hmm. play, which... It's surprising because you think it wouldn't work, but I was reading the stats on it. It's actually pretty successful. How fun was it to be a part of that? Have you ever been a part of any trick plays like that before? Off the top of my I head. I know of one, actually. I wonder if that's the one you're going to um, mention. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I can't think of any. Okay, last year, didn't you throw oh, a touchdown? Oh, uh -huh. I did throw a touchdown. Okay. And then I didn't know have, if you had another flea flick. Yeah, no, and then we had the Miami Miracle, which is like... Oh, oh yeah, well, I didn't even think about that yeah. one. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't think of those as trick plays. We've we practiced that a bunch, and I guess me throwing the ball is a trick play. But I played quarterback growing up, so I, I don't see it as a trick play. As a trick but, the, play. but the defense does. All right, so that's one thing that I've heard a lot about you is sort of your hard work, your preparation, how much you put into the game. What was that first week like for you? Because I imagine it's pretty tough. You get traded. You think you're going to be with Miami, but then all of a sudden you show up in Houston, and then. You not only have to learn a new playbook, you've got to learn a new city, a new stadium, new yeah. teammates and everything. What, what, was those, what were those first few days like for you? I'm not going to lie. Those first few days were uh, a lot. You know, it's, you felt like there wasn't enough time in the day as far as trying to meet people and, um, you know, make the right impression on people and learn the offense and figure out where to go in the building and just like everything, everything is new. And so it was a lot, but... Um, I knew that at the end of the day I was just playing football and to get, to get the opportunity to play on Monday night and have an extra day to prepare and, and then play against the team that drafted me. I just wanted to go out there and play and, and do my job and uh, be somebody that the team could count on to make a play. And so that's what I've been trying to do. Did it make it easier that Laramie was also with you and you had Carlos Hyde, a few other guys that were sort of in the same situation? It wasn't just you by yourself trying to catch up? Yeah, 100%. You know, whenever you go somewhere new with a, with a friend and a good friend, uh, it makes it a lot easier for you. What were those? Can you give me like an example of what like a day was like for you the first? Because Bill O'Brien said you were here pretty early, you were here pretty late. Yeah. What, what were those out working hours like early on? Yeah, and maybe was, they still are that way. I don't know. It's gotten a little bit better. A little for bit me, better. Okay, good. I mean, like seven o'clock to like eight or nine, uh, when it comes to like getting treatment and watching film, and then meeting with the coaches extra, so I know my assignment on the plays and what they expect out of me. So. Um, it was a challenge, but I like a challenge, and you know, this is—it's been a lot of fun for me. We have a really uh, great team with cool guys and a good staff, and everyone in this building has been really nice and made it, you know, really easy for us to transition. Bill O'Brien said this week, I, when you first got here, he said we're just having Kenny learn his packages. He's got certain packages, not unpacking the entire playbook at once. But this week he was asked about it, and he said, "Oh, Kenny knows the whole playbook. Yeah. Like he knows this offense. Do you feel like you know the whole offense? It's not been that long." I know a majority of it, and if I don't know uh, and Deshaun needs me to do something, I, I, I understand, and I've seen enough film to go out there and execute it, and I've played a bunch of football, and you know, at the end of the day, it's all football. Like Everyone calls it something different, but we're not reinventing the wheel. It's just ball, and all the route combinations are the same, so it's a matter of just getting on the same page with the quarterback and you know, just executing. I saw a stat. Um, you are tied for first among players in the NFL in 30-plus yard receptions, and the Texans rank second in the NFL with 30-plus yard receptions. Would you say that that's your strength, maybe getting separation and all the steady that you do? What, what is the, the biggest strength, you think, of your game? Um, 
just like the attention to detail and and uh i've I've always kind of thought of myself as a really detailed receiver and not the most like athletically gifted i'm fast but i mean i'm not like one of the guys with the big hands or um, you know like a crazy big frame or anything so i try to make sure that my game is extremely detailed and uh, i'm on the same page with the quarterback and so i, I think the the deep stuff just comes from uh, good good play calls you know we got trick plays in and um, trick plays yeah, i see that in quotes yeah you know the coach is calling the right plays at the right time what about deshaun watson it seems like the two of you have such a good chemistry and it's it almost seems effortless which I know it's not because you have put in the time, but how do you make that work? How, do you, how does it look so effortless and easy and natural between the two of you, considering you didn't have the offseason to really work with him on timing and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, the kid's a baller. Like, that's, that's really all it comes down to. We, we put the time in at practice, and I'm getting a lot of the reps, um, you know, throughout the week, but he's just a baller. We, I, don't, I mean, we've probably missed on a couple throws, even in practice, so... Um, what we're seeing on the field and the games is what we're getting in practice, and so um, yeah, I mean, I can't say I can't say like enough good things about him. One of the things that I knew about you, and I think a lot of people knew about you coming here, was um, how active you were in the community. You were named the Walter Payton Man of the Year for the Dolphins in 2017, 2018. You get here, you meet with the Houston Police Chief Art Acevedo, and he had a lot of really nice things to say about you. What did you hope to accomplish out of that meeting? Why was it so important to sort of continue that? Yeah, it was important for me to just introduce myself and let him know that, you know, I was here and I could be somebody that, um, you know, we can work together to build relationships in our communities. And it's important, um, you know, for me to have those conversations that way, you know, if something positive or negative goes down, um, you know, I have his number and I can reach out to him and, and figure out how we can work together to work towards solutions. And I think that's the biggest thing for me is, um, you know, solutions and accountability. And, um, you know, I try to do everything that I can, being a football player, somebody with a platform that, that people look up to, to try and, um, you know, do good by other people and to influence people, um, you know, to, to, you know, treat each other the right way and, um, you know, try and make every place that we're in a better place. And so uh, I think that's just part of, you know, who I am and what I'm trying to do. Have you always been that way? Or when when did you really start to just think that this is something I got to really make time for? It seems like you've got so many only so many hours in a day, and you're right. sort of putting it everywhere. But you know, obviously, you've made it a priority. When did you decide, or how did you come about thinking that that was something that you really wanted to focus on? Um, I think that it's been something that's been a part of me for a long time. When I really like look back at you know who I am, but also I think as I've started to see how other athletes were using their platform I really um, you know wanted to start doing the same thing and using mine and, and understanding that people look up to us and um, you know look at us to see how we're acting and how we treat people and so if I can you know do my part and lead by example then you know I can hope that other people will only do the same thing. I, the, one of the first times you spoke to the media here you got a few questions about it and you said um, you know, just check out my website if you want to know more. And I actually went to your website, I read about it, and there was like a documentary on you, mm -hmm. which I watched. <laughs> and I thought, I'm going to ask him about activism and, and all this. But it, it really goes into great detail to explain how you came about doing all these things. But I think for people listening, there are a lot of people with causes that are important to them. Mm -hmm. What sort of advice would you give them on how to get started or how to find that one thing that they can really contribute to? And, and how do you, I mean, everyone's busy. How do you make time for it all? 
Yeah, I think it's, you, you start with, like I said earlier, just trying to find, um, you know, one thing you can do a day or a week. And then from there, I, I think it starts to kind of just snowball. You know, for me, it was being at every community service event that we did in Miami, and it's being at every community service event that we do here in Houston. And um, then you start to meet people that are like-minded and are interested in the same types of things that you care about, and you start to connect with them, and then that circle becomes bigger and bigger. And so you just figure out what you're passionate about, um, you know, things that you care about. For me, it's single-parent households, it's, you know, community police relations, it's, you know, teachers and education. Like, you figure out those things that you, that you care about. You get on Google and you research those nonprofit organizations and figure out ways that you can get involved. And then you just show up and you put your heart into it and um, then it all comes back to you. How do you um, plan on continuing that in Houston? I know you had done some drive-alongs and mm -hmm. uh, like a road trip when you were in Miami, mm -hmm. you plan on doing some more of that stuff here. I know it's really busy right now in the season, but you're doing community stuff on the Tuesdays. What, what is sort of your long-term plan as far as that? Have you had a chance to think about it? Yeah, so I'll continue my community service road trip, which we do after the season. It's like two weeks long and trying to figure out if I'm gonna start here in Texas and do some more work in Texas or just continue to work throughout the South. But, um, you know, there's a program that I'm working on with the police chief that, you know, I'm trying to get put together and present to him. And, uh, you know, maybe reaching out back to the guys in Miami and trying to get this program, you know, going there too. And so uh, there's always a bunch of little things that I'm working on and trying to identify organizations here that, that I can work with and start to educate myself on what's going on in Houston. So, um, like you said, there's not enough time in the day, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure it out and, and, you know, schedule myself and take care of the things and prioritize the way that I need to. I think you've pretty much made everybody feel like an underachiever and not taking, <laughs> making good use of time because you're doing so much. Uh, before I let you go, I want to ask you about a touchdown celebration that Jordan Akins had um, against the Chargers. Yeah. And I think we tweeted out the video. He jumped into the crowd and it looked like a lot of fun, except <laughs> your mom was actually in the crowd getting trampled. Is, is yeah. she okay, first of all? Yeah, she's okay. okay. <laughs> she's hilarious. Um, so I, I think somebody like exchanged tickets with her or something so she could be in the front row. And so after the game, I go up to her and she's like, did you see me get trampled? Did you see me get trampled? <laughs> well, she was excited about <laughs> yeah. it. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, no, she's hilarious. If you watch the video, she uh, you could just watch her facial expression because she's excited and then all of a sudden she's getting jumped on and she's like, whoa. <laughs> well, trying she wasn't mad or anything. She yeah. was to totally taking it in. And you yeah. can tell it's your mom because she's wearing the number 12 jersey. So. I just had to ask if she was all right. <laughs> she's great. All right, good stuff. We look forward to seeing more from you this season, Kenny. Best cool. of luck. Thank you. Good stuff from Kenny Stills. Really looking forward to what he has to bring for the rest of the season. The one regret that I have is that I didn't ask him on that um, that Miami Miracle what part of the play he was. Was he uh, he was one of those laterals? But I guess I I thought about it later. I, I wonder which one he was. I'll have to go back and watch that play because now it's sort of a blur. Uh, but this week, uh, maybe there'll be some more trick plays. There'll be some more deep catches, I'm sure, against the Carolina Panthers. They are here at NRG Stadium. It's Justin Reed facing his former brother, Eric Reed, and no Cam Newton. But a familiar University of Houston and Texas A&M quarterback returns to play here, Kyle Allen. So the Texans try to make it 3-1. and one. We, I had a chance to stand out with Caroline Can. She covers the Panthers every single day for the team. And we got caught up on what the Panthers are looking like this year. Caroline, I have spoken to you before when you were working for the Colts, and now here you are in Carolina. Uh, how is it for you out there? 
it's really good. It's been a bit of a homecoming for me being able to come home and work for the team that I lived closest to and rooted for as a kid. So it's been such a good transition. Well, the Panthers uh, snapped their losing streak, so we get you on a pretty happy week, I think, for them. A big win on the road. What's the mood like in the locker room? How much has it changed with just the one win? It really changed a lot because if you look even dating back to last season, this is the first win for this team in many, many weeks when they really count. So this kind of got the monkey off of their back. It got them to start thinking, okay, look at what this offense can do when it's really rolling in the defense and even special teams. So I think all the questions that we have throughout the preseason and even in OTAs, we actually got answers on some of those and positive answers on those finally in week three when really weeks one and two, we were still kind of scratching our heads of, are we going to have a team that can do all these things and the expectations that were set for them before the season started? So it has been a good, good week here in the Carolinas. Well, the Panthers did it without Cam Newton, and I'll get to Kyle Allen in a minute, but first let's talk about the starting quarterback. What can you tell us about his foot injury? How surprising was it that the news came out so early in the week that he's also going to miss Sunday's game against the Texans? Well, I think it just was it was surprising to hear just about the foot injury in general when it came out after the Thursday night game. But then when you look back at how he was playing that game and even how he was playing in week one, he just didn't look like the Cam Newton that I think everyone across the league is used to seeing. So then once you hear that this is a foot injury and it's still here and it's still sticking around, you kind of start to understand, okay, he's still working through this. And so now the team is saying, Hey, Cam, sit back, don't rush back. We need you to continue to rehab this foot and not put any pressure on him as far as a timeline to get back. And I think that's the important piece because Cam Newton has played injured. He has tried to rush back from injuries and he always wants to be out there on the field. He's played through injuries. So I think for him, the team just wanted to say, hey, Cam, focus on your rehab. Kyle Allen is doing a heck of a job uh, while you're rehabbing. So take your time, get better. And I think that's all that announcement was early this week. Houstonians and Texans alike, uh, they, they're very familiar with the name Kyle Allen, who played a little bit here for University of Houston, played at Texas A&M as well. He threw four touchdowns, no interceptions. He's going to return back to Houston uh, for his uh, second start of the season. What really impressed you in that win over Arizona? Because it seems like he's getting a lot of buzz for some of the numbers he put up. But when you when you watch that game, what what really stood out to you? I mean, honestly, it really is the numbers that was surprising. I think when you see Kyle Allen in practice and around this team and the way that the team loves him, you have confidence in him as a quarterback because you saw what he did last season against the Saints. And then, you know, throughout the preseason, it wasn't perfect football, but you still saw some things out of him that, okay, that we can build off of that. And this team can trust him in that. So I think going into Arizona, the team was confident in him and knew that they could put a game plan together that would send, you know, Kyle Allen and set him up for success with this team. But then to throw four touchdowns, you know, at the end of the game, we asked Greg Olson the same question. What surprised you? And he was like, well, I mean, he did throw four touchdowns, and I don't think any quarterback, you know, if they're throwing four touchdowns in a game, everyone's talking about it, much less a backup quarterback doing that. So I think it was a big surprise for everyone of how efficient he was and just how successful he was. But it also was just lets everyone calm down a little bit and say, okay, if Cam Newton's not going to be out there, Marty Herney and his staff did a great job of going out and getting a, a great backup quarterback to give this team a shot to win. You mentioned Greg Olson. That's such a familiar name, and he's dealt with so many injuries in the past few years. 
What can you tell us about his reemergence in this offense and how much that really helps a rookie quarterback to have a veteran guy like Olsen back out there and healthy? Oh, man, Greg Olsen is uh, really this past week in Arizona was where I got to see up close just how important he is to the game management for this team. So with Kyle Allen being in the game, he has a lot on his plate. He is this young quarterback stepping into a big stage, probably a very emotional game for him heading back to Arizona where he was born. It will be the same case going back to Houston where he spent some time playing too. And Greg Olson was just that calming presence that kind of kept the game moving. There was a particular play, a big you know, play to Curtis Samuel is that toe drag there in the corner. And Greg Olson was very quick to get this team up to the line of scrimmage and get a play underneath them so that it could not be challenged. Now, it would not have been overturned. It was a catch with Curtis Samuel. But I think that's the piece that people don't always see from Greg Olson, even if his stat line isn't as spectacular as we're sometimes used to seeing it, which it has been lately. So we're thankful for that. But Even when he's not in the stat line, he's that game manager and he's that calming presence, that veteran guy that has seen just about every situation in the NFL. And that's something very, very huge for this young quarterback and some of the young guys on offense to just keep the game moving and and allow those guys to play without having to maybe worry about the little nuances of an NFL game. Running back Christian McCaffrey, he's got three rushing touchdowns on the season. He puts up such big numbers in the run game. He did also against Arizona and, and he's such a, a great dual threat back for the Panthers. Do you see Norv Turner, the offensive coordinator, do you see him using him more uh, with a rookie quarterback under center? How does, how can they actually give him the ball more than he's already been getting? Or is it just, (laughs) or is it just going to be business as usual for McCaffrey? Yeah, I really think, you know, Norv Turner and, and the offensive coaching staff have used Christian McCaffrey in every single snap. He's a part of the play design in some way. He has not come off the field. And then, of course, knowing the numbers that he's putting up is making fantasy owners very, very happy, as well as Panther fans. So I think Christian is just another one of the key pieces on this offense that helps Kyle Allen. We talked about going into the Arizona game that this can't all be on Kyle Allen. This has to be on the other playmakers, the Greg Olsons, the Christian McCaffrey's, you know, the Curtis Samuels and DJ Moore and, and all the, the playmakers around him to make sure that Kyle has a good game. And I think that's just what you see from Christian McCaffrey. He's the most consistent on that. And what we saw in week two was a Tampa Bay defense that put one or two spies on him the entire game. And it was hard to get that run game going because the passing game wasn't exactly what it needed to be. So I think when Christian McCaffrey is being Christian McCaffrey and is running all over the field, of course this offense is best, but he also needs his playmakers around him in the passing game to step up and allow some of those lanes to open. Let's talk about that Panthers defense. It's kind of crazy they faced a number one overall pick in three straight weeks. Is that right? Yeah, three <laughs> three straight weeks. Um, and and they, they put up eight sacks and two picks against – uh, Kyler Murray last Sunday they've been in some really close games but they really had that breakout performance against the Cardinals what is it about that pass rush that's really clicking now and really worked for them well I think for the first couple of weeks they were still getting to know one another I mean this we had said all the way through OTAs and when you know Jerry McCoy was signed and Bruce Irvin and all these guys were kind of fitting into this defense we're saying man on paper and coming off the bus this defense looks really, really good, especially that defensive line. But then they had never played meaningful snaps together, and we saw them a little bit in the preseason, but still no meaningful snaps. So I think those first you know, two weeks in week one, there was a lot of rotation on the line, and that was different for Gerald McCoy. So he, he even said it was hard for me to get into a rhythm. 
Week two, it was a little bit better. They started to find their rhythm a little bit. And then week three, it just kind of all came together. We still saw rotation on the defensive line, but I think they were used to that rotation. They understood why it was happening, and they were able to get into a rhythm. But I think it also needs to be pointed out that, I mean, Kyler Murray had a lot on his plate. And as a rookie, he's been asked to do a lot of things. And so there were some times where he was hanging on to the ball, and he was trying to run and get out of the pocket, and that's where he's the most dangerous. But we have some really fast edge guys on our defensive line of Brian Burns and Christian Miller um, that are able to chase down <laughs> that Kyler Murray's very quick and shifty quarterback. And I think just finally started to pay off. Eight sacks is unbelievable. When we got done, you know, people were saying, oh, Kyler Murray has been sacked 16 times so far this season, which is crazy. And I did not realize, to be quite honest with you, that the Panthers were responsible for half of that just in that game. So, do you do I expect them? Does anyone expect them to go out and get eight sacks again? I would be completely shocked, but it was nice, and I think a big confidence boost for them to be able to piece together a game like that. I think I speak for all Texans fans when I say we definitely do not want to see them get eight sacks <laughs> in a single game, especially one that's coming up on Sunday. All right, one of the guys that had a sack, Eric Reed, uh, his name has been coming up a lot lately because his younger brother, Justin, safety for the Texans, has been talking about facing his older brother for the first time uh, in the five years and in Eric's career and Justin's uh, career. Have have you had a chance to talk to Eric Reed or has anyone talked to him? What does he feel about playing his little brother uh, on the road? Yeah, we haven't had a chance to talk to him this week quite yet, but I know that's going to be a very special moment. We hear of this all around the league of older brothers, younger brothers, and even cousins playing each other and just how special that is. And I'll say this about Eric. He's been such a calming presence. I'm in veteran presence in that secondary that I'm sure his younger brother has tried to soak that up over the years of, of just how to handle yourself in the NFL. And I think um, it'll be really cool to see. I mean, we always love to have the family ties and we'll read that in the connections as we go through the media guide, I'm sure. But uh, I will be sure to ask him about this, though, because I know <laughs> Eric will have a really great response. Yeah, Justin's already saying that uh, he's asking every one of his teammates if they've got any tickets that they're not using. Uh, give them over to the Reeds. <laughs> They'll be I'm using sure. them. Either, yeah, either the Reeds or the Allens, I think, are going to be taking a lot of tickets this week. Yeah, last week it was the Watts. We had J.J. Watt and Derek Watt action, so this week we'll watch Eric Reed and Justin Reed go at it. Caroline, what are some other storylines that you're working on for this week? Yeah, I think um, you know a big storyline is going into the takeaway uh, battle that we've seen as secondary for the Panthers. They've done a good job of taking the ball away so far this season. But then this last week against, you know, Arizona, when everything was clicking with the pass rush and Kyler Murray was having to get rid of the ball, really when he did not want to, Dante Jackson goes up and has a heck of a week. And it's funny, Dante Jackson last season in week three had two takeaways. This season, week three, he had two takeaways. So whoever we play next year, uh, week three, just get, uh, you need some extra eyes on Dante Ball security. Week three, yeah. Week three apparently uh, seems to be his big week, but I really think it's about the turnover battle. We saw, you know, every week in in the NFL, every team wants to win the turnover battle. But I think for this Carolina Panthers team, particularly when you have a younger quarterback like Kyle Allen, give him the chance to make some of these plays. We saw him turn the ball over on the very first drive, rebound from that and have a heck of a game. But then Dante Jackson helped him out a little bit uh, by getting the ball back in great field position to allow this offense to really get even more motivation. And always kind of bring this up. When we saw um, Garner Mishnu take over in his first game, he had great balls. Uh, you know, he took over the ball at a great field position and was able to make some big plays. And I think we saw the same thing for Kyle Allen, where he was given a break 
in some of those uh, drives in Arizona. So I think that's really big for our defense to allow Kyle Allen to have those opportunities more so on just turnover on down. So I think that's what we're kind of looking at of how can you still create those turnovers against a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, who can turn the ball over, but is also very experienced, very elusive getting out of the pocket. So we don't expect eight sacks again, but uh, it's, I think that's where we're kind of focusing on how does the defense still have a very productive week against an offense that is better and more experienced than in Arizona. Well, we're looking forward to it this Sunday, the Panthers here at the Texans. Caroline, thank you so much. Caroline can team reporter for the Panthers. Good stuff as always from Caroline can. Uh, she covers the Panthers for their team website. She used to cover for the Colts. So I used to talk to her a lot more frequently. Now it'll be once every four years, but that's going to do it for our podcast. Uh, be sure to catch HoustonTexans.com for all the highlights, stories and more and, Catch our pregame show, Texans Unlimited, presented by Verizon. That's on social media channels like Facebook. And you can put in your questions. And John Harris, I'll make him answer your questions. And then uh, we've also, we always get some great special guests. And there might be a musical guest on this Sunday show. That's I'm just going to leave it at that. So you might want to tune in and listen. There might be a little bit of freestyle rap. And uh, you'll just have to wait and see what that is. But that's going to do it for our podcast, the Deep Slant Podcast, presented by Xfinity. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, go Texans. <laughs>